0: If you normally worship downstairs, that makes you a kid. So come on up to the front, if that helps define it. Not you, Brandon. Come on, everybody. Here we go, some stragglers. (gasps) Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. You can come. (laughs) Who's that scary man? That's okay. You can join us as soon as you're ready, okay? Wow, look at you guys. It's great to see you here today. Merry Christmas. Thank you. That's good. That's the way to do it. I'm going to tell you a Christmas story. and It's it's one that we don't tell very often. So to start off, I need you all to turn around and look at the picture that's coming up on the screen here, right there, right? So that that's a, a statue of the man that I'm going to tell you the story about, right? It's a pretty regal statue. What do you think? Do you think that he's... Uh, do you think he's a king, or do you think he's a soldier, or a knight, or what? What do you think he is? Don't know? You don't know? A shepherd? Well, that's some shepherd, I'll tell you that. I don't know what his sheep look like, but man, oh man. What do you think he is, Link? He could have been part of the military. Yeah, he looks, he looks, like, he looks regal, doesn't he? He looks like a soldier. That's actually King Wenceslas. And King Wenceslas lived in a place called Bohemia, Right? And he lived a very, very long time ago. How how long do you think is a long time? What's a long time to you? Travis, what's a long time? Yeah, that's pretty long. What's, What's a long time to you? 500 B.C. 500 B.C. Ooh, that's a long time. One minute. One minute? There's a girl who lives in the moment. What's a long time? 2,000. 2000 BC. Okay, you guys are way ahead of me. He's actually, he actually only lived a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, right? So you guys were way, way ahead of that. But he lived a thousand years ago and his name was Wenceslas. And he was a king in a place called Bohemia. And he was actually a pretty nice guy. He was a young king and he was a Christian. He was a follower and lover of Jesus. And uh, he cared very much for the people who lived in his kingdom. Now, you've got to try to remember a thousand years ago what it was like to live, you know, in a kingdom over there on another part of the world. It was very different from our world today. But King Wenceslas used to always take um, Christmas very, very seriously. And on Christmas Day, he always thought that it was his duty as the king to really bless his people Uh, because it was christmas day and so he had a habit of every christmas morning taking a bag of gold coins and he would go all through his castle and he would visit all of the soldiers and all of the servants working in the castle and he would press a gold coin into their hand and he would say god bless you in jesus name who was born this christmas day and this became his custom, and of course, everybody looked forward to it. And so on Christmas morning, all, everybody would line up, all the servants would line up, and they'd be ready to receive their, their gold coin and their blessing. And so this one Christmas morning, he got up, and he was going through this, and he'd reach into his bag, and he'd reach out, and he'd press it into the hand of one of his servants, and he would give them the gold coin, and he would say, God bless you in Jesus' name, who was born this Christmas day. And he went through the kitchen and he talked to all of the servants in the kitchen. He went through the livery stables and he talked to all the servants who worked there. He went out to the guard house and he met with all of the soldiers and he gave them all a coin. He even went down into his dungeons in his prisons where all the, all the people who were in trouble were kept. And he went through and he talked to all of the guards and he gave each one of them a gold coin. And he pressed it into their hand and he gave them the blessing. And then he went through all the prisoners. Now, he didn't give the prisoners a gold coin because they didn't really have any need for money since they were in prison. But he gave them each a blessing. And he came to this one cell, and there was this old woman in the cell. And he looked at the woman, and he said, God bless you in Jesus' name, who is born this Christmas day. And the woman looked at him, and she said, don't you speak to me of your Christian charity for the servants who live in your castle are like kings compared to the peasants who come from the field. Well, that was a pretty rude way to talk to a king, don't you think? Would you be, would you be bold enough to talk to a king like that? No. Yeah, no, me either. Yeah, you, you're, you, know, you could end up getting put in prison. Oh, wait a minute, that's where she was. That's right. But, but everybody thought it was really, really rude. But because it was Christmas Day, the king let it slide. And he said, ah, we're not going to worry about that today. It's Christmas Day. But the words bothered him, and the words bothered him. So Christmas Day passed, and the next day, it was Boxing Day, or the, the Feast of Stephen, it was called uh, in that place. And all the festivities were still going on. People were still partying. It was still a holiday. Do you get a holiday on Boxing Day? Are you off on Boxing Day? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> Anybody know if you get a, do you guys get a holiday on Boxing Day? Travis, you get another try. I'm going to Massachusetts. Is that a holiday? Yeah, no, I didn't think it would be. Massachusetts, who would go there? Yeah. Do you get a holiday on Boxing Day? Yes, and I go on a big shopping spree. Ooh, a shopper. Yeah, there you go. That's the way That's the way we spend Boxing Day, right? But in that kingdom, on the Feast of St. Stephen, they, they partied, and they had a good time together. They danced, they played music, and they, and they feasted. And on that morning, the king went up onto the tower of his castle, and he was thinking about what this woman in the prison had said to him. And he looked out over the fields, and sure enough, there in the field, far in the distance, was one of the peasant farmers going through the field, through the snow, picking up a piece of wood here and a piece of wood there, trying to find enough wood in the field to light the fire so that he could feed his family. And the king was cut to his heart. And the king rushed down, shouting for his servants, bring wine, bring food, bring wood for the fire. And he ran through the ca- castle, creating a big ruckus, ran to the front door, didn't even take time to put on his boots, ran out in bare feet with one of his servants, carrying all of the wine and the food, and he raced across the field in the snow to find the servant way on the far side of the field. And when he finally got to the far side of the field, he gave that peasant the wine and the food and all the wood for the fire. See, the king had learned something about charity. He had learned that that he had all the gold in the world and he could give the gold away and it really wouldn't cost him very much. But he learned that what it really meant to love was to feel in your heart the need of another person. The word charity in our Bibles is actually the word love. It's the word love and it means to love in a way that you don't care about yourself anymore you only care about the person who has the need and that's what charity really means and that's what King Wenceslas learned so let me ask you this would you rather have so much money that you could give some away and you wouldn't even miss it or would you rather have a generous heart which would you rather have generous heart, a generous heart oh I love you what else what would, what would you rather have Heart. A generous heart. Something good is going on downstairs, Yvonne. You guys, you're doing a really good job. What would you rather have? Generous heart. Yeah, nobody's gonna say money now. That's right. That's right. A generous heart. But you know, that's what Christmas, you know, Christmas is all about, Jesus coming into the world. And the Bible tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave away his son. He gave away his son so that we could be with God forever. That's how much God loves. Because God saw our need, and God was moved to do something about our need. So here's what I want you to think about when you go back to your seats. I want you to think about this. Ask God for a generous heart. When you go back to school after the holidays, if you see somebody at your school who doesn't have lunch, give them yours. You might go hungry for a day, but you know what? You'll get another lunch tomorrow. When you're playing in your neighborhood, and you see somebody who doesn't have mittens, give them yours. Your mom and dad will buy you new ones. And if your mom and dad can't buy you new ones, have them come see Donna Moss, and we'll buy you new ones. (laughs) But have a generous heart. If you see someone who needs something, give it to them. Because that's what love does. Okay? All right. Go back to your seats if you would. We're going to continue our service with another talk for the parents. Okay? Thanks for coming up. I had a Bible here somewhere. (laughs) I mean it, Yvonne, I think you guys are doing a great job downstairs. We'll have to try and catch up to you upstairs. So good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. We've had uh, a few weeks of really amazing reflections and worship and um, times of wonder. We began this season by talking about uh, His name is wonderful, full of wonders. And we encouraged people to to go through the Advent season with your eyes Lifted up and wide open to the wonders of God all around you. And I've been, I've been encouraged by some of the messages I've received from people as they've been doing that and experiencing that in big ways and little ways over the season. We've had a couple of great messages that have taken us through some of the Christmas stories in unique and I think very engaging ways. Robert Cumberbatch telling us the story of Mary, and, and it, it was, I was living it with her as he talked about what it was like for this young woman to be chosen to be the mother of Jesus. And then last week with Dan telling us Zechariah's story, I think in a way I've never really heard the story before and again I got to walk alongside of Zechariah and realize how incredible it was for that moment when God finally spoke after 400 years to Zechariah and promised that Messiah was coming. Well today we're going to do the third and final story in this series and it's Simeon's story and I have been so excited waiting to tell you this story because I think it is just a jam-packed and wonderful story for us as we prepare to celebrate the coming of our Lord. Let's pray together, and then we'll get into it. Father in heaven, we love you, and we know that that's because you first loved us. We know that you reached out to us and found us, And you brought us to Jesus. And you gave us your Holy Spirit. And now we know you and love you and live with you as our Father. What a blessing. What a game changer that is. So we praise you for that. And we thank you for that. And we worship you. And you deserve all of the worship that we can possibly give. Heavenly Father, as we look into Simeon's story... We ask and invite your Holy Spirit to cause these words to live in our hearing and in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our midst. We invite you and ask you to move freely and powerfully in each and every one of our lives. To say what you need to say, to do what you need to do, to bring us to Jesus. We thank you so much and we celebrate together The coming of our lord and in his name we pray amen so we'll find the simeon story in luke chapter 2 verses 21 to 23 and it goes like this on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him he was named jesus the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived So we heard about the story of Mary and of of Elizabeth and Zechariah. So now Jesus has been born. We're going to celebrate that tomorrow night and retell that story. So this is now a number of days after Jesus has been born. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice "...in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons." So Jesus would have been by now a few weeks old. The period of purification was 40 days. So he would have been a few weeks old uh, when he was brought to the temple. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die... Before he had seen the Lord's Christ, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were in wonder at what was being said about him. My question is this. How did Simeon know who this child was? How was Simeon able to identify this child out of all the others? Well, the text tells us, right? Right? It was the Holy Spirit. Three times in this passage we're told that it was the Holy Spirit who was moving Simeon, who was with Simeon, who had spoke to Simeon. The Holy Spirit was the one who brought Simeon to the temple that day when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple for the blessing of purification. It was the Holy Spirit who was moving in Simeon's life. It was the Holy Spirit who was leading Simeon to Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit who, through Simeon, was about to proclaim who this child was. We can't miss that. Luke does not want us to miss it. Three times he tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who's at work in this story, behind the scenes. You see, the Holy Spirit... God the Spirit was pointing to God the Son who leads us to God the Father. We talked last week about how the Jesus story is a three-act story. He was born, he died, and he was resurrected. And the Christmas story is a Trinity story. It's a triune story. It's a story of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together coming to save the world that they made in love. And so the Holy Spirit is operating here. And it's the Holy Spirit who is with Simeon, who's moving Simeon, who brings him to the temple. And through Simeon, the Holy Spirit says, here, here he is. This is Messiah. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. Here, here is Messiah. Think about it. I mean, Mary and Joseph, after this experience with Simeon, it says that they were in wonder. They were amazed. They were wondering, what is was that? And this is the couple who went through the virgin birth. This is the couple who both had visitations from the angel Gabriel. This is the couple who went to visit Zechariah and Elizabeth and had the baby in Elizabeth in Elizabeth's belly leap. John the Baptist when Mary walked in the room. This is the couple who had seen wonder after wonder and miracle after miracle attesting to this child's uniqueness and this child's divinity and here in the temple when Simeon finishes they are in wonder again. Because the Holy Spirit was impressing upon them that this was no ordinary child. This child Was Messiah. This child was God's salvation. You see, through the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Simeon didn't just see who this baby was, he saw what he was. He saw what he was. God's salvation. God's salvation, a light for those who are in darkness. And glory for the people of God. We have to dwell there for a few minutes because the Holy Spirit does not want us to leave that alone for a second. You see, the Holy Spirit brought Simeon to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit today points to Jesus and brings us to Jesus because Jesus is God's salvation. He is God's salvation. And for those who are still in darkness, He's the light, He's the way out. He is the only way out that God has provided. For those who are still on the outside, He's the way back in. And the Holy Spirit does not want us to miss that. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus and says, this, this is God's salvation. This is your light. This is your way to life. But He also says, To those who are the people of God, he is God's glory. He's God's glory. I've been so blessed in the last few months reading through Exodus, and I've loved the tabernacle story. I've told you about it a few times. It's just such an amazing story about God's presence with his people. I finished chapter 40 last week, and chapter 40 ends amazingly because it says that, after all of the instruction, after, after giving them all the details of the tabernacle and after the great offering of the people and all the craftsmen putting it all together, they assemble the tabernacle, they put it all together, they pray over everything and anoint everything, everything is ready to go, and then it says, and Moses finished the work. Everything was ready. And you know what happened next? The glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle. And the Bible says that when the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, Moses couldn't even enter into it. The cloud was so thick. The place was so thick with the presence of God that people could not even enter in. That is the glory of God. That is the Shekinah glory of God that Israel lost through their rebellion. And Ezekiel talks about when the glory left the temple and they were waiting for hundreds of years for it to return. And Simeon says, he's here. He's here. This is the glory of Israel. This child. God's presence with us. God's presence with us. You see, Simeon saw who Jesus was and what Jesus was. And it was the Holy Spirit who revealed that to him, who showed that to him. He saw the consolation of Israel, the consolation of Israel. And what he meant by that is that word consolation means it's the same word as comforter, it's the same word as parakletos, it's the same word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John in chapters 14 and 16. Jesus said, I go away so that I can send you another paracletos, another comforter, just as he was God's comforter to us. So the Holy Spirit comes as God's comforter to us. And when Simeon saw the child, he saw God's comforter. He saw the paracletos of God, God's presence with the people once again. Now I know you're hearing my words but you're not getting my message. You see, you and I, we don't get the glory of God. We're not overwhelmed by it. We're not bowled over by it. We've become too accustomed to its absence. We've gotten used to knowing about Jesus, We've gotten used to knowing the Christmas story but not embracing its meaning. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us to Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to show us, if we're in the darkness still, that Jesus is our light and our revelation and our way out. And if we are the people of God and we don't, we don't get goosebumps when we think about the glory of God, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our hearts to see the glory of God afresh. I want us to use our sanctified imagination a little bit. I want us to enter in, can we see Jesus through Simeon's eyes? Holy Spirit, help us. Can we see Jesus through Simeon's eyes? Can you imagine yourself being Simeon in the temple, moved by the Holy Spirit? You go to the temple this day, and you you see this child, and you take this child in your arms. What do you see? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Can I share with you what Simeon was feeling and seeing and experiencing? Can I tell you what was going through Simeon's mind as he held that child? We read it in Isaiah 40. In this incredible passage. The consolation of Israel. The comforter of Israel. That's a throwback to Isaiah's prophecies of God sending a comforter. And listen to this. And if you have to, just close your eyes and listen to it. And imagine that you're Simeon. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him and his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings." before him all the nations are as nothing they regarded him as wor- they are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing to whom then will you compare god what image will you compare him to as for an idol a craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it a man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood? Since the earth was founded, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to nothing and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. That's who Simeon saw. The consolation of Israel the comforter of Israel. Who do you see? Dan talked to us about walking up to the edge of the manger and peeking in. Let's do that. Who do you see? What do you see? If you don't see Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. If you don't see the glory of God like we just described it, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. Can we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us to see Jesus? You know, Jesus himself said, we know how to give good gifts to our children. We're going to do a lot of that in two days' time. How much more does our Father in heaven who wants us to see Jesus like we've just described him? How much more will our Father in heaven not give us the Holy Spirit when we ask him? Because we need the Holy Spirit to see that. Because there were lots of people who saw that baby and thought he was ordinary. But not here. Not you, not me. He is not ordinary to us, He is God. He is King. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is our glory. And the only appropriate response to Him is worship. It is the only appropriate response. When we see Jesus, we end up on our knees and on our faces. And if we don't end up there, we haven't seen Him and we need the Holy Spirit's help. It's not too late. There are two days till Christmas. We said all along that our prayer would be that for each and every one of us, we would experience Christmas like the first time this year. There's two days left. If you're not already experiencing it like the first time, if you're not already seeing the wonders of of this child in brand new ways, it's not too late. Between now and Christmas morning, you can pray and you can ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can wake up that morning and see that Christmas morning with brand new eyes. With brand new eyes. He is our glory. The glory of this house. The glory of us as a people. Let's praise Him.